Hey everyone, welcome to the Revivals Family Podcast, where we discuss what God's doing on college campuses and the need for prayer, family, and revival. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Revival is Family Podcast. Here with me today is Josh McDonald, and excited to have him on the podcast today. Um, Josh um, has been here in Kansas City about a decade and um, on staff, a leader in Luke 18 over the years. Joshua, tell us just a little bit about your story. Totally. Well, thanks for having me, guys. This is family. We love you guys so much. Um, yeah, so I'm originally from Michigan, um, a little town called Midland, Michigan. And so for me, I just am wired to kind of be all in or nothing. Like, I'm not a good multitasker. I'm like, whatever I'm doing, yes, we've I'm, learned that. I'm a fanatic <laughs> about it, and I want to be the best or nothing at all. And so problem with that is, is when you're lost and in the world, you latch onto things typically that aren't that great. So growing up, I was an athlete. My dad was an athlete. And, and so because of that, um, I, I was a big kid too. So I like, I like hit early puberty. Um, I was actually six foot tall when I was 13 years old. No like way. I, was, I, I was just really skinny. But because of it, I'm like a 12-year-old who's like, you know, almost six foot tall. And so I kind of dominated in sports as a younger age. And so what happened was, is I started hanging out with some older guys. I'd play in the school league, but then I'd like play at like the community center. And because of that, I got introduced to like older friends. And I was right at that transitional age of my life where you're about to be 13. So you're about to be a teenager. You're about to transition to freshman year in high school when, uh-huh. you're, when you're about 14. But just to rewind real fast, my dad, so my parents got divorced when I was a little kid, but my dad got saved. Uh, when I was 10 years old. So in, in November of the year 2000, my dad got saved. November 11th, actually, to, to be exact, my dad gets saved. And so I get the idea of Jesus kind of planted in me at a young age. I think I was maybe 10 years old. Yeah, 10 years old. And so I was young enough to where I respected my dad and looked up to him enough that like I was listening to what he had to say. And like my dad went from kind of a party guy, a couple divorces, smoking weed, things like that to saved. And now all of a sudden Jesus uh-huh. is everything. Wow. And it's like channel 13 is like what we would watch all day long. You know, Jack Van Impey, if you remember that guy, and like the left behind, <laughs> well, left behind was a big deal then because it was Y2K. Uh-huh. And so we thought like rapture, the world's going to end. I mean, it, it was like, so it was funny how now I'm like a total end time messenger guy, because actually, if I think back to it, end times was a fascinating reality when I was 10 years old, because Left Behind was blowing up the whole, that whole series mixed with Y2K. So anyways, fast forward, <laughs> I'm now 12 13-ish, and I make a decision kind of internally. I go, you know what? When I'm 90 years old, I'll get saved. Because I think it's huh. real. I think it's real. Like, my dad is saved. I believe it. And I do believe that the seed was for real in my heart. Like, I, I think I said the prayer with my dad. I was like nine or 10, you know, and like, but I was like, ah, but you know, if I get saved, like, I can't. Because now, now I'm 13, 12, 13, and I'm being introduced to, like, we go to our buddy's house and you find your parents' liquor cabinet and you, you get drunk and you spend the night and you do things like that. And it's like, oh, this is fun, you know? Unless, you know, you think it's fun. And I remember thinking to myself, I think I'll do the Jesus thing when I'm 90 because if I do the Jesus thing now, I can't sleep around. I think you're going to miss out. I, on. I can't do anything. Yeah. Cause I didn't know that. I didn't know that, you know, when Jesus encounters you and you encounter him, your desires change. I didn't know anything. Like, you know, I just thought you, you know, whatever. <laughs> so I go nuts in high school. So coming to my freshman year in high school, I'm like I said, I'm wired kind of 110 or nothing. 
And and so I just remember coming into high school at that point, I had already kind of gotten to a rhythm with like, go spend the night at that one friend's house whose parents didn't really pay attention to what you did and you're sneaking the alcohol and porn and just not good stuff, you know? And so coming into high school, it was like, whoa, different world. And literally, I think like my first week in high school, me and my buddy meet the, the big drug dealer in our school who's a senior. So he's like 17, you know, we're like 14 and we become buddies really quickly and we figured out the trick. Like, oh, if you want to get high with your friends, you want to smoke pot, like all you got to do is if you can save a hundred bucks, you can buy enough to then sell to all your friends and do it for free. This is great. Like, why didn't we think of this? You know, versus like you're trying to steal 20 bucks from your your, your mom every time you can out of her purse to buy $20 of the pot, you know? So, that, so I got into that rhythm, so but, but then I got addicted to it. So it was like, oh, a hundred bucks gets me this, 200 bucks, oh, 400. Now I'm like, 14 years old and we're, we're, we're swirling around with eight, 900 bucks worth of like drugs. That's wild. Doing drugs for free, supplying to all of my friends in my grade and the next grades up and actually making a little bit of money. We're like buying sneakers and buying Jordan, just being stupid. But by the time I hit 16, it was not a game anymore. Like I just, you, you, it's like, you just keep getting addicted. If I just save another hundred, if I just save another hundred, just save another hundred to the point where I started selling drugs to a lot older people. Like I kind of, you kind of get opened up to a whole world. I'm like, there's like addicts that are like in their mid sixties, you know, they're like getting scripts from shady doctors of like, you know, Vicodin and like pills. And I just get introduced to a whole world, heroin, cocaine. It just, it never ends, right? It's a never ending cycle. And uh, when I was 16, actually, uh, I started, I started not going to school anymore because I had a choice to make. I could sell drugs or go to school because I'd be sitting in class and I'd have these 40 year old drug addicts texting me, like calling me to sell them stuff. And so so I'd skip class, which led me to just go all in, which led me to when I was 17, getting arrested in a drug bust in my city. And because when in Michigan, you are an adult when you're 17. And so what ended up happening was, is I, a kid, uh, the guy that I was selling to got in trouble for, for a handful of things. And he started working for the police. He got off of his sentence or he got off of his hook by becoming what we called a bayonet. And I was selling, and little did I know this lady that he would show up with all the time was a cop. And so I had been selling cocaine to this kid and this lady that he was always with. And the lady turns out to be, a, was a police undercover cop the whole time. So I get arrested, do the whole thing, go behind bars, get out, go back. So for a year, I'm in and out of the system. So basically from 17 to like 18 and a half, I'm, I'm behind bars doing that thing. I get out and I don't learn my lesson. It's like you go to jail and you hang out with more people that are just like you and everyone just can't wait to get out and do it again. It's like there's not a lot of people like getting their lives, to be honest, getting their lives transformed behind bars. Like it happens, the Lord does it, but historically it actually doesn't change people. It just gets them out of society to not be a danger to society. But uh, when I was 18, I got busted. I was 18 and a half probably. I got busted again. And this time it was like, you're really, really in trouble. Like, you're 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 gonna go away for a while. Like your felonies have stacked up. Like you're gonna get in trouble. And to make a long story short, what ends up happening is is in the church that my dad goes to, um, the prosecuting attorney of the city who essentially makes the recommendation to the judge. So the judge at the end of the day is mostly influenced by this other guy who's called the prosecuting attorney. That guy's kind of like, uh-huh. here's what you should do. And then if the judge really wants to change it, he will, but a lot of times it's that guy. Well, that guy's a deacon at my dad's church. And they go, there's this place in Traverse City, Michigan. They have a program called Abba's House. It's like a rehab. I get sent there 
instead of doing my next term behind bars, I get sent there and I encounter Jesus because this place, little do we know, they, my parents didn't even really know this. They're like hardcore Holy Spirit, hardcore charismatic, and they're up. And it's, it's this weird property out in Traverse City, Michigan. It's 40 acre property where these young guys are getting their lives transformed. And they're all about this place in Kansas City called the International House of Prayer. <laughs> and so I get saved on November 11th, 2008 eight years later after the day that my dad got saved. So my dad and I got saved in the same day, eight years apart, which is cool because I called my dad the night I got saved. Dad, I gave my life to Jesus. And he's like, are you kidding me? I gave my life to Jesus on this day in 2000. So it's just a cool storyline. Wow. I get rocked by God. I won't go into the whole story for the sake of time. I get rocked by God. And because I had been, got saved and discipled in this ministry, this ministry, they, I mean, their eyes were on Kansas City. Their eyes were on these people that prayed in Kansas City. And so, which is the International House of Prayer. We came and took a few trips. I said, this one, I want to give my life to. And literally eight months after getting saved, I leave everything and I move to Kansas City. Wow. Come on, And I've dude. been here ever since. <laughs> Met my wife. And- I love it. I love it. Thanks for sharing, bro. Yeah. Um, so you've been here 10 years. You've been yeah, there since 09, so actually 11 years. 11 years. Yeah. Intercessor. Yeah. Um, you've been one who teaches, preaches, travels. You're, you know, 2021's here, <clears throat> and you're starting this 21-day spiritual challenge. I mean, super fascinating idea, you know. Um, every year as we begin, you know, like January – Everyone wants to get lean, get fit. Yeah. They're doing their 30-day challenges, trying to lose weight. Uh, you're a fitness guy. Um, tell us about the correlation between this idea of a 21-day challenge, you know, so many people wanting to kind of hit reset in a new year. Yeah. So I, I'm wired just by the way God made me to be a person of discipline. Uh, and I recognize that not everyone's that way, like by nature. I think we all have to be disciplined at some point in our life to be able to function. And some people will be at a different level than others. But for me, I am just wired that way. It kind of comes second nature. And so for me, I've just seen the fruit of my personal life, whether it's fitness, whether it's my marriage, whatever it is, that when I'm structured and disciplined and I actually am going somewhere with real boundary lines, it changes everything for me. And so um, you know, so fit, so it's been huge for me with fitness for a long time. I, you know, those who might know me or might not know me, I'm, I'm a big CrossFit guy. I have my certifications in CrossFit. It's my thing. But the thing is, is it, it actually is so similar and it correlates into our spiritual life. And, you know, in 2021, I actually didn't think about 2021, 21. I actually wasn't putting those two together. But I just, as, as we came through 2020, as COVID hit, as it shut the nation down, as it disrupted all of our lives, the question is in any time of crisis, what did we run to? Where did we try to find stability? And I think for a lot of people, because I'm talking about believers specifically, because they have not had a consistent, you know, foundational place that they meet and connect with God. It's just kind of on the fly. I, we go to, we do Christian things. We go to church on Sunday. We listen to Upper Room. We listen to IHOP. We listen to Bethel. We listen to, you know, we listen to, we maybe even listen to a podcast. We might even do those things. But when you remove church services, when you remove all of the activity that it quote unquote means to be a Christian, 
and it's just you and God on a couch, most believers are in a really awkward place really quickly. Huh. And and no, it's just a real thing. And and, lot, and some of it's because they have orphan issues. Some of it's because they don't know the Father. Some of it's because they just haven't had the discipline. Some of it's because they've got a you know the, the million reasons why. But the point is, is we, a lot of believers never establish that time and place that they connect with God that is sacred and that is a priority in their life. And so this is why you saw everyone doing house remodeling projects. It's why you saw everybody becoming experts at making sourdough bread. <laughs> no, no disrespect <laughs> to those who did those things. That's fun. We had free time. I get it. But at the end of the day, I don't know that if we look back that a lot of people can say through COVID-19, through the pandemic, through the crisis, through the racial conflict, through election crisis, through da-da-da-da-da-da, did we learn to love? Did Jesus become our everything? And did we take this moment serious, pause and slow down? And I think at the end of the day, I think a lot of us can admit we didn't. We didn't know how to. Yeah. I love just the, I just love your heart because I think that for many people, one of the hardest things to do is to get started. Yeah. I mean, everyone wants to be wholehearted and fervent, but one of the challenges yeah, is you totally. hit the slumps. Yeah, believers you, aren't believers aren't internally and outwardly saying, "I actually don't want to be intimate with Jesus." I'm a Christian, but I don't want it. Like no one's actually saying that. <laughs> no, they just don't know how to get started. Yeah, and, and a lot of it is you have atrophy. You know, you go right. through the holidays. You don't. It, it starts physically. You're sitting on a couch. You're eating all this junk food. But then you know, you stop reading your Bible. You start really just staying up too late, watching Netflix playing video games and you just find yourself kind of dull and you wake up one day you realize like I'm not that hungry I'm kind of bored with Christianity I want to be intentional but you pull up a version, you start a Bible plan you try, you're halfway yeah. through you can read a Bible in a year and I think for many people you know like discouragement sets in and they're like how do I get out of the funk how do I hit reset spiritually and so, so I love you know the concept of what you're doing because you're wanting to help the believer who's kind of in a place of, you know, stagnation and wanting to kind of jumpstart their spiritual life. Tell us about the the 21-day the challenge. Like, what does it look like for someone? I mean, 21 days is pretty accessible, you know? I mean, it's three weeks. Like, what, what do you imagine for the average person believer that wants to, you know, get into this, you know, like reset of their spiritual life, what what are you proposing that they engage in for three weeks? Yeah. So we thought through this obviously very intentionally because you nailed it, Ty. I didn't want to just throw them into a Bible reading plan because I mean Jesus says you search the scriptures thinking that in them you'll find life. And it's good to read our Bible and we should be people of the word. But if but if we take somebody who is spiritually dull, someone who is like, I need to grow in intimacy with God, my heart is not alive. The Bible's a part of that story, but if but if just reading to read to feel like you're doing the right thing, that, that that's not gonna get us anywhere. We have to be connecting with the Lord. And so I've thought through it very clearly because I want there to be scripture involved, but I want them to be actually investing in their spiritual life, in their dialogue with the Father. They're actually having a real conversation with Him. And so what we did was, is as I, I thought through it, I'm like, what is actually realistic? 25 minutes is actually realistic. Uh, that, that In my mind, I'm like, anybody who is saying they want to do something to change in their relationship with Jesus 
they can give him 25 minutes. And so what that what that practically looks like, I'm really calling people to the morning. I know that there's a handful that have an odd situation where the morning doesn't work, but for 99% of a working America, like you gotta be to work by eight o'clock in the morning and you're home by five and you come home and if you're not single and you got married, it's like it ain't gonna happen at nighttime either. And so if you, if you normally have to wake up at 7 a.m. to get ready for work, I'm asking people for 21 days to get up at 6.30. And what they're going to do is they're going to get, actually, realistically, you got to give yourself that five-minute margin to actually get up out of bed and get to the couch <laughs> or wherever you're going to do it. But I'm telling people, you're going to put worship music on your phone. And, and this part's going to throw some people off, but we've actually created some content with the pastor of the upper room, Michael Miller, um, on pastorally walking through this first part. Because the first thing that I'm having people do is pray in the Spirit or pray in tongues, whatever, however you want to word it. So it's five minutes of praying in tongues. And then the next five-minute block is worship. So your worship music's already on, but you're not starting by worship. You're actually starting by praying in the Spirit. Because when we pray in the Spirit, for those who have their prayer language or those who are curious about it and are hungry for it, when we pray in the Spirit, the Bible says that we speak mysteries to God and we edify ourselves. We edify our spirits. And I find for me personally, praying in tongues for an extended period of time, five minutes or more is what I would call extended. It is what shifts me out of most of my distractions. My mind is wandering. I sit down and try to be with the Lord, but then I'm thinking about nine things I have to do today. When I pray in the spirit, my mind and my emotions and all of that begin to take a seat and my spirit man gets activated, which then helps me in the next journeys or in the next act, the next activities I'm going to have with the Lord. So a lot of times I like to pray in the spirit before I even read the Bible, because I know if I just get right to the Bible, I've got nine other things on my mind and I'm thinking about that while I'm reading and I'm not receiving anything. So it's five minutes of praying in the spirit. Then it's five minutes of worship. So whatever songs on, because you already started worship, you just, just enter in. So now you prayed in spirit, you got your spirit man activated. Now we're just entering into that current song that is being sung. So that's 10 minutes right there five minutes of tongues, five minutes of worship, then the next five minutes is going to be studying or looking at and meditating on the apostolic prayer that I've assigned. So what is an apostolic prayer? So here at IHOP, we call apostolic prayers. It's We made it up. It's not in the Bible. But what it is, is the apostle Paul and the apostles, they've prayed prayers for the believers in those days in the churches that they established. So when Paul is saying any type of prayer in the book of Ephesians, well, what's he, who, and he's praying for somebody. Well, who's he praying for? He's praying for the believers in Ephesus. It's a real church. It's, it's like New Life Church. You know, I'm praying for you, New Life Church. Like it's, it's that, that same thing. So what I've done is I've taken seven of the apostolic prayers that Paul prayed. I won't go through them right now, but there's seven of them. And they're all like three verses long, basically. And I'm having people just look at them and just kind of meditate on those three verses for the next five minutes. So we got five tongue, five worship, five meditate. Then the next five minutes, now we're taking those verses and we're praying them back over ourselves. So Paul, when he's writing his letter to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 1, he prays this prayer for them. And he says, Father of glory, I ask, I'm, I'm making, I'm, I'm going to make it a little bit more 2021, but basically he says, I ask for all these believers at church of Ephesus that, that we established. God, remember that church we established? Lord, my heart's really gripped for them right now. I pray that those believers that I disciple, that they would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, right? And it goes on and on and on. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take that same prayer that Paul prayed, we're gonna pray it over ourselves. So we're gonna say, God, I ask that you would give to me the spirit of wisdom revelation, that my eyes would be open, right? So that's how we're gonna do it. Because I don't want people just praying whatever comes to their mind. Most people aren't spiritual enough anyways to actually pray 
what the Lord is praying. <laughs> you know, most of us aren't that accurate in the prophetic where we just know what's on the Lord's heart, right? But what's always in the Lord's heart is, is the Bible. And I think it's so important that they pray the Bible in this 21 days because what it's doing is, is it's aligning themselves to truths and you're asking God to do spiritual works that are mostly connected to your character and mostly connected to how you function and live. And you're gonna watch the Lord answer those prayers in your life. So you've been praying for wisdom and revelation. It's like, wow, after a month of doing that, you start to notice things. You know, you're a Philippians 1, that we would live sincere and without offense. It's like all of a sudden you've been praying that prayer for a month in Philippians 1 over yourself that, God, I don't want, I want to be sincere without offense. All of a sudden you've been noticing an odd, an, an odd amount of situations in front of you that you have an opportunity to be offended, but you've been praying Philippians 1 over yourself for the last month and so it's haunting you. Don't be offended. You're telling yourself, I've been praying this verse, don't be offended. <laughs> and you start to go, whoa, this is transforming me. So that right there is 20 minutes. And then the remaining time, the five to 10 minutes after that, is I want people to journal their experience. I want them to actually write down how it was. I want to be raw and honest. Like, I woke up this morning, I was exhausted, I fell asleep in and out the whole time. <laughs> you know, we just, we're just journaling through our processes. But then here's the big part. The big part is I don't want to just throw out some awesome challenge and then say, okay, I hope you guys do it. We're actually have, we actually are creating a community out of it. So you have to actually sign up. It's free, but you actually have to register. And the reason why you have to register is because when you register, you get emailed to you all of this content. I have all of these verses laid out for you. I've made all these videos of different leaders talking through why is it important to pray the Bible. Corey Russell and I did a video on tongues. Michael Miller, Mike Bickle. We're doing these videos to help people. But, that, but then what's going to be really key is they're going to get links to Zoom call meetings. So if you're in the 21-day challenge, you're actually going to have a checkbox when you sign up. Can you commit to these Zoom calls that will be on these nights of, during out the 21 days? And we're all going to jump on a Zoom call together every five days. I think every seven days, actually. And we're just going to talk. How's it going for you guys? How's it going? And it's going to be a time for people to chime in. Maybe someone's got a cool testimony of how it's touching their lives. Or maybe Susan, and I keep saying Susan, I don't know who this person is, but <laughs> it's maybe Susan in Nashville is really struggling. Like, this has been so hard for her. It's actually, no, because some people, see, because for some people, it's going to awaken them. For some people, it's going to awaken them in a good way. Like, wow, my heart's coming alive. For some people, it's going to awaken them to just how dull they've been. And it's actually really hard for them. Like, it's actually going to be a 21 days of exposing. <laughs> it's going to be 21 days of, whoa, I didn't realize, like, praying in tongues for five minutes feels like an eternity. I'm actually bored with God. Wait, I actually, oh, man, and it's actually exposing their condition. So there's going to be a wide variety of responses. But here's the thing. I'll end with this. The wonder, I, I literally say this all the time to people, and they think I'm being exaggerative, but I'm not. There is one verse in the Bible that has changed my life more than any verse in the Bible. And it's what gets me up in the morning with the Lord every day. It's Song of Solomon 4.9. It says, with one glance from my eye, I captivate his heart. That's what it says in ESV. Um, New King James words, it, I ravish his heart. But it's, it's, anyways, we don't go into the context of Song of Solomon. But what's happening is, is the, the Lord is speaking to the bride and he's saying, one glance from your eye ravishes my heart. You captivate me. So, so when I get up in the morning, it's not really about how well I'm doing in the moment. The fact that I even got up out of bed tired and went and sat on my couch and maybe felt distracted most of the time, the fact that I even got up and went and sat on my couch and looked up at God and said, I'm trying, his heart is melting. It's so weird to think that a God who, who makes a billion people breathe every day, you know, the God who's running the cosmos, who knows the numbers of stars, and I mean, the God of the universe, 
every time that Ty Lamb or Josh McDonald, whoever, just looks at him one glance, just glances over at him, he like loses it. He's ravished. His cat, oh, you've touched my heart. And so there's a, there's a big motivator for me that this is moving your heart probably far more than it'll ever move mine. Come on, dude. It's powerful. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I love it. So, so 21 days. Yes. 25 minutes a day. Basically, yeah. But really, it's 20 minutes of actual activity, and then it's just five to 10 minutes of, I want you to be journaling day one, day two, day three. How has it been? What's coming to your mind? Yeah. Things like that. So accessible. Uh, so accessible. I started this version Bible reading plan of trying to read the Bible in 30 days. So and intense. it is not 25 minutes. It, no, it's no, no, It's like <laughs> two plus hours a day, and I'm struggling to keep up. But 25 minutes. I think that's minutes. so accessible. And I can imagine people starting with 25 minutes and the Lord awakening just things in them and just hunger arises and they finish 25 minutes and they're like, I want to read more. I want to pray more. And, and I, I can see yeah, this. Yeah, because their five rolling. minutes will go up just on the scripture meditation part. They totally. got they got lost on a son of phrase, and they're like, "Oh, well, that's weird." And then it's like, "Oh, shoot, I got to pray it now." You know, and it's like, and I know it's for some people, it's going to feel rushed. So for some people, they might go, "This is a little bit too structured." But you know what? We need it at first, and and after the twenty one days, because here's what's funny: I used to actually not get up with the Lord in the morning up until about two months ago. Here's why. Because, well, meaning this, because we're intercessory missionaries. And so I'm in the prayer room at IHOP most days by 7 a.m. And so I always am just like, yeah, I'm going to go be with the Lord all day. But I actually did my own 21-day challenge in January because I wanted to be like, hey, no, I did this too. And so I'm pretending that IHOP is like, you know, the house of prayer that I go be in every day like I'm pretending that that's like my job like I'm going to work you know I'm going to the grocery store whatever like so I was getting up at like 4 a.m. some days to do this 21 day challenge and you know what it did for me this isn't I'm not I'm not kidding this was in January I did this it wrecked me for setting aside a sacred time and place with God and I need to pretend that I don't I'm not an intercessor for a living so I've been at home now faithfully just whether it's 10 minutes or it doesn't make a difference I get up and it's the first it's the first priority wow. of my day now Come on, dude. No, for real. It That's changed things testimony. even for me. Yeah. I'm so excited for this challenge. Yeah. March 1. March 1 begin. is when it starts, but they got to register and get the material in their hands because they're going to need a few days to kind of sort through the teachings because I actually took those seven those seven prayers that Paul prayed and I made accessible teaching notes that take no more than five minutes so that people can understand the context because like for Landry, my wife did it and she she didn't read my notes. <laughs> so she did the 21 day challenge where she kind of didn't read the notes and she found, oh man, if you don't read your notes, like it actually can get confusing because I get to these verses in the morning and I don't understand what, what Paul's talking about. Like, what, what what was the context? So I actually broke down like what Paul specifically meant when he prayed these prayers so that we can make them applicable to us today. So they kind of have to register and give themselves enough time to actually like take a look at the verses. You know, I encourage people just to read my notes the night before they go to bed. So if, if, if day two on Tuesday is gonna be Philippians one, Monday night when you go to bed, you would just pull out that PDF file that it gets sent to you and you would just quickly look over the Philippians one notes so that when you wake up in the morning you're familiar yeah you know come on dude yeah so if they want to do this or if they want to check it out how can they find out more information how do they register just look up my name josh mcdonald on instagram or facebook you'll see me right away and you'll see i've been promoting like crazy and the links will be in my comment box but if you don't have any of those for some reason if you're not on instagram or facebook and you can't go look me up it's really simple my last name is MacDonald, so M-A-C, M-A-C, not like the restaurant. So it's M-A-C, Mac, MacDonald. So my website is themacdonaldfamily.org. 
Awesome. So our website is themacdonaldfamily.org. You'll see it right there, 21 day challenge. You sign up for free. And then as soon as you sign up, you get all of the stuff automatically sent to you, all the materials, all the videos we did, all of the teaching notes, all the things. And then we start March 1st, but the first Zoom call is Sunday night, February 28th to kind of say, all right, guys, here we go. Tomorrow's our big day. Come on, dude. And it's a 40 day fast starting March 1st. March so, 1st. Bro, I'm excited, dude. I'm excited to, to do it all. I want to do it personally. You should. I do this little this little twenty minute exercise weekly because um, it's it's my quick go to when I'm really distracted when I'm in the prayer room but I'm also navigating all of my emails and all of my whatever I'm doing in life. I can put my computer down for 20 minutes and I go, I am distracted, I am swirling, I got that bill to pay, I got a da-da-da-da-da-da, right? You're going through the million things you gotta do. All right, Lord, I give you 20 minutes. I look at the clock, it's you know, it's 10.57, I look at the clock and I say, all right, Lord, I'm giving you this next 20 minutes and I actually will walk through this method. I'll pick an apostolic prayer and I'll just go. I'll pray in tongues for five minutes, worship for five minutes, and it's just a great 20-minute reset. So Come even on, if you're way far ahead in spiritual life and you spend five hours a day with God and you're like this mystic, like it's still just a good little tool to repumline you and you're feeling distracted. Yeah. Come on. Well, thank you for all your work on this 21-day challenge. Excited to see um, people engaged in the word and prayer. Excited to see just the impact of it. Um, Josh, can you take a moment and just pray for everyone who's thinking about doing this? And just pray for every, all the listeners in general. So, Father, I, I lift up everyone that's listening. And God, I ask that you would just touch their hearts in this season. God, that you would, this Song of Solomon 4, 9 verse would wreck them. That one, let them get lost in the impossible reality of how does a God of the universe have a heart that gets ravished when I look at him. And God, let that spark a fire in them to say, if that's really true, if God really gets moved by me just spending a couple of minutes with him, then I'll do it. And God, I ask that you would give him motivation and courage, God, and that you would break off slumber. God, I ask that you, for those that are like, man, I struggle, I can't get to bed at night, I, my, I'm the guy that hits snooze on my alarm clock 20 times, God, I ask that you would break the spirit of slumber, God, and that you'd put a sobriety and an urgency that there will never be a morning that they'll regret that they got up with their father. So Lord, I ask for the person that knows they need to do this 21-day challenge, God, that you would just keep it in the front of their mind, that they would do it, God. And we, we do all of this, Lord, not to just... Have another ministry program. God, this is about believers connecting with you so that we will be a mature bride with intimacy, oil in our lamps, and ready for the midnight hour when you return. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Josh. It's good to have you on the podcast today. Bless you guys. Thanks for being with us. Look forward to, to doing this 21-day challenge together.